Welcome, welcome coaches, teachers, parents, and medical professionals. You are listening to Larissa Mills and my podcast, At The Table. I am the founder of iParentGen.com, and today and every day, we are going to discuss how families and schools are managing technology and raising children and teaching them. We are also going to listen to how technology is impacting athletes and their level of sport. So let's get to it. Stay tuned and please call in with your questions or join us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram. But parents, you are not alone. There are courses, articles, and videos on my website. Please sign up for free. So let's get listening. Welcome to At the Table today with Larissa Mills and Meg Thompson. Hi, Meg. How are you? Hi. Good. 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 So we have a lot to discuss today, Meg. But first, I just want to hear and share with everyone here what your background is and what we're going to talk about. Um, so my background is I was a, well, I graduated college. It was a bachelor's in uh, communications, which I don't really do anything in that. <laughs> I was in the advertising field for a second and a half. That one's kind of cutthroat, and I was like, oof, like the manners don't work. It was kind of tricky. So I went back to school and um, got my master's in early education. So I was a kindergarten teacher for 10 years. I realized I was really good with the hard kids, the kids that threw stuff, the kids that swore, the kids that just didn't fall inside that box. And I kept seeing people put kids back inside the box instead of just like, right, if they're going to jump out, build them one outside their box. So I went back to school, got my master's in education, then I got my certificate in behavior, and now I'm a behavior consultant, Mm -hmm. and I hang out with kids inside of school, outside of school, little kids, big kids, adults, right? I'm also a life coach, because if you need a behavior consultant, right, I'm doing that in air quotes, if if you need a behavior consultant, (laughs) as an adult, they call it a life coach, right? That's just the the proper term for it, because no adult wants to say they want to, they have a behavior consultant working with them. So Meg and I are going to discuss how parents can cope with violent behavior in the home. And we're going to also discuss strategies in which parents or teachers could use as well to go along with that. So I know, Meg, that we don't have a lot, a lot of time, but uh-huh. in terms of what we're observing in education and in sports and in public for the, over the past 15 years, the medical professionals, coaches, and teachers are seeing a dramatic increase in violent behavior in students, in athletes, mm-hmm. and in children. And I can't contribute this to one direct thing, but I can say that I have noticed a distinct difference since 2007, a distinctive difference. What do you think are some of the reasons why we're seeing such dramatic increases in violence in kids? First, that I get a lot of teachers who, right, I get called into schools, right? The director calls me or the principal calls me or parents call me and pay for me to go into the school because the kids are violent. And, but violent is, so there are kids that are aggressive and aggressive kids are ones that want, that have the intention of hurting another kid, themselves or property. That's an aggressive kid. A violent kid is someone who wants to hurt another fatally themselves fatally or like yeah, yeah. i don't know if you can't fatally hurt a property but, yeah. okay. but right um so sometimes violent is thrown around it's co- sort of a bingo word so we have a joke in uh, the behavior profession that if you had a 
right? Autism is a bingo word. Bullying is a bingo word. Violent child is a bingo word. So if you had like a bingo board and you went throughout the day and listened, you would get a bingo or a blackout pretty quickly and you would win the game. Yeah. So I don't know how many kids are violent to the point of like wanting to hurt someone fatally. I talked to, um, my son goes to a private school and I asked his, uh, the owner of the school yesterday and she goes, you know what? In the 18 years I've been doing this, I've had one kid that I would say is violent. So is it that they're violent or is it that they're like, we do not know what to do with that behavior because some adults hoard the power. Um, our society is not really helping kids as best we can. Um, I think athletes have all this pressure on them, right? I was an, so I was an athlete also. I uh, ran track and played soccer yeah. uh, for 12 years, all the way through college. Yeah. And I could see where yeah. that was tricky. Now, the, the, the people that I've interviewed in education, so principals, administrators, I've interviewed superintendents, I guess that would be more like your directors there, I guess? Uh, directors are directors of early childhood centers, like preschools. Oh, uh, okay. So when I say director, because I work with little kids as well. Overall, we're just seeing more of this. I want to say edgy kid. You know, they have a yeah. type, like whatever. F you. Uh, oh yeah. Like, take Those a- are my favorites because that is really brave to say that <laughs> to an adult like, in institution. By the way in which kids think now, and they don't care. So my no, my but- second question to you is. We're seeing here in Ontario, and I'd also have to say partly in Alberta from my interviews there, uh, that high school suspensions have risen, not just from violence, but we are seeing such a dramatic increase in anxiety and depression. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Trauma is attributed to violence as well in schools. I'm always so sad to hear about suspensions because if you're suspending, get rid of them. My, my oh, it's remediation, right? We need rep- well. If you're taking a 16 year old that is suspended, mm-hmm. they're old enough to stay home by themselves. Yeah, and so they're going to and watch Netflix. Yes, it's it's a three day vacation. I, I had a kid the other what what uh, last year, the year before that didn't like math class and he would tap on his desk. And the teacher said, stop it. Then the teacher said, if you don't do that, you're going to have to, you're going to have to leave the class. And then they took him out of math. And I was like, so how do you feel about it? He goes, great. Math was the end of the day. I get to go home now and I don't have to go. And then he had to do math online, but didn't have Wi-Fi. So he never, he didn't do math the rest of the year. But he was what? Call the parents first. I would have also yeah. given him silly putty or Play-Doh to play with. You, don't, you want to play with your hands? Here. When you feel a little right. here's some silly putty, buddy. Go, go get it. I want you in this class. I think you're a really neat kid. And right. I, want, I want you to be here. And so I would take that approach. Yeah, the teacher didn't take that approach. The teacher was just angry with him. Yeah. And he's like, oh, he caught it early. If you're angry with me, I'm just going to keep doing it. And then you're going to throw me out and then I'm out of math class. Right. I mean, you know what I told him? I said, you're probably not going to be a math teacher. It's fine. <laughs> but you got to get out of yeah. But he's elementary one, math, he's middle school math. He can do that. And that's a behavior we don't want kids to learn, right? No, right. But it worked for him. The teachers, that's a flag of behavior saying, I need a different approach for this kid. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Right? 
Um, so I, my, my other question here is how are parents going to cope? What strategies do you have for them if they're violent in their own home, which is actually happening and the kids uh-huh. are bigger, your kids aren't going to get smaller. <laughs> no. And, and, and I think a lot of parents let that go at like yeah, kids no, that no. have really hard behavior at two. Yep. You can still pick them up and, and scoop them up and move them. At 15, we got to figure this out. 13 years later, we got to figure it out. Yeah. So part of it is that when I see adults and parents both do this, when they are struggling and they do not know what to do with the behavior, they hoard the power. They dig their heels in and take all the power away from the kid. So, right, I see that with clip-down systems. I see that with sticker charts. I see that with punishments and reward systems. The kids don't have any power in any of that stuff. So, it actually... Or choice. Like, you need a choice, right? Or they're going to... Right. Of course. Yes, of course. And um, at the end, if you go to when when I do how to find me, I have a match game that's a great replacement for that. Um, And I have uh, videos. But, so I think a lot of parents are busy. A lot of, right, kids don't come with instruction manuals. So I think a lot of parents think you're going to get the best of me and the best of my spouse or the best of whoever the other person is that made the baby. And you're going to get the best. Well, the person hardest for you is the one just like yourself. You know how many parents I've talked to that have the kid just like them? The person um, second hardest for you is your opposite. Most people marry their opposites. I did, right? I'm I'm squirrely and and I married a duck, right? All his ducks are in a row all the time. And I don't think parents, parents just want kids and teachers just want kids to do their box. They're supposed to do. And just, and there are some kids that like the energy of adults being upset. Just as there are kids who are scared and people pleasers. There are kids that are like, Oh, look at her face. Oh, she looks amazing. like that, And then just keeps going. And then if it's, if they do it at two and at five and at seven, they've now created a habit of how to keep going. So I always say 98% of the time, a challenging behavior is a lack of skill or an unmet need. Correct. So we have to find out what the skills are. The need is that they need right then. Right? Yes. And what's the skill that has to be taught and then time and patience to learn the skill and have the need met. And that's not fun, fast, or easy. No, it's it, a long it takes time to teach parents and teachers those strategies. Like when I had taught a very violent class, that child was actually, you know, he, he was getting aggressive because he was hungry. He was right. Hungry. So I fed them. So then I took them outside. So we played games and I was meeting all of their emotional needs. And I'm finding that parents are not meeting their children's emotional needs. They're not. And I don't know if parents know what they are. Until I've said that to some parents, it hadn't even crossed their mind that it's a need that has to be met. Right. They just think their kid is misbehaving to drive them crazy. And, and that's really, usually never what it is. Oh, almost never. Yeah, right. Like I'm really finding it's almost never really what you think it is. Right. Like the other boy, he was angry. I think this was 10, 15 years ago. I had a boy who punched, he, he punched at, through me to this other boy behind me. And I was in between. And you know what it was? That boy called his shoes ugly. And that was the only reason. That was the only spike. And it was because his mom didn't have as much money as the other boy's mom. That was his He was so proud of his shoes. And he was so proud of his shoes, right? Yeah. And it it goes down to these simplistic things. We just have to kind of dig a little. There's like three questions I always ask. Why are you angry? Yeah. 
and I want to validate what they say back to me. I hear you're angry. What type of angry are you? Right. Like, yeah. What type of it? Like, are you really angry to hit? Are you just angry? You're frustrated or do you just need some time? Right. Right. And I would have like a ball in my room and they could go and like sit on it and play with silly putty until they sort of just relax. Right. Because angry kids a lot of times need time. Just, he just needed to cool down. But yeah. I, this case was more violent. I had to call the principal's office. And of course, the principal off that I had at the time, no one came and helped me. No, no, no. No, no one they left there to die, you said. <laughs> uh, even the custodian, he came down running, trying to help me, which was great. For, great. He was lovely. But he's like, yeah, they left you to die in there. I'm like, yeah, pretty much. Thank you. <laughs> I wasn't too happy about that. So you were saying, I had a question for you, a technical question. Okay, I'm ready. Um, how should a parent or a teacher react to a violent child, not an aggressive child, a child being violent? And you mentioned a couple things here that I like. What are your three rules for that? Oh, yeah. You want to remind me what my three rules are? Okay. You said, you said in your notes, regulation, which we kind of talked about. Modulation. I want to know what you mean by modulation of emotion and calming techniques. Can you expand on that for the listeners? Yes. So module. So we have to name it, claim it, and tame it. So kids have to say, I'm angry. Then a lot of kids, there is a scale that I sort of use it. It's numbers. Um, So one is like that kid called my shoes ugly. Two is that kid punched me. Three is the kid called my shoes ugly and punched me. And then four is my house is on fire. And five is there was a death in the family. Right. So four and five are like, hopefully don't happen often, but kids go to four and five at being angry. Right. That kid that hit the other kid because the shoes were ugly went to like a a four when you're like, oh, but that's actually a one. So you have to modulate, you have to match the problem with the emotion. emotion. Okay. Yeah. And kids, depending on how, right. Some kids are external anger. So they're verbally external, which means they swear. Yeah. Or say bad words. Yeah. Or I'm going to kill you and chop you up and put you in a dumpster. I've had a five-year-old say that to me. Yes. And I thought, well, I'm going to five because you can't get to my house. <laughs> or, um, oh, I forgot where I, what I was saying. So modulation of emotion, calming. Yeah. Oh, we haven't talked about calming technique. Oh, so calming technique. So, um, oh, they're verbally external or they're physically external. So calming techniques wise, everybody has always told me, take a deep breath do yeah. meditation, do, uh, do mindfulness. I get that that works for some people. But not when adrenaline's high and you're right there in the room. And- no, and for kids who are violent or aggressive, so which means they show emotion outside their body, yeah, verbally or physically, they yeah. need something besides take a deep breath. So take a deep breath, maybe, because there is a physiological piece to that that does calm the brain. But what else do you have to do? Kids show anger in three places. Well, humans do. Yep. Hands, feet, and mouth. Yep. So if a kid swears at you when they're mad, where do they need it? Mm-hmm. In their mouth. So we use substitution to calm them. Mm-hmm. Right? Instead of saying the F word, you say something different. I had a little girl that changed the S word to sassafras because she got to say the A word twice, which is hysterical. She'd go, sass, a frass. But it kept her out of trouble. Yeah. And she got and, to say it. But she managed and coped. And yes. many parents, I find, 
when I speak to them on a, a meet the teacher night or randomly and whatever class I was teaching, I really tried to talk to the parents more than the kids sometimes. Because the more parents were involved, the more self-talk and coping mechanisms I was giving to the parents and the kids' behavior all of a sudden started to improve. Right, all the, like it was magic. It was like, <laughs> oh, I gave you tools. Here you go. But why weren't you doing them anyway? And it's just, I think parents just, I think, I think some parents don't even know the tools. Right. From my experience, the parents don't even know. They think, yeah. do what was done to you, right? Mm -hmm. Called the ghosts of the nursery. So if you were hit, you hit, right? I've had a lot, I've talked to a lot of parents out of spanking. Um, if you were punished, they're punished. If you were in timeout, they're in timeout. Yeah. And that's right. You're putting a violent kid in timeout. Good luck. You're going to get hurt. It's interesting because I think I want to say, Meg, that there is a little bit of an edge now to almost a lot of kids. They're really entitled. And, and I want to actually, I didn't ask this question to you before, but I'll ask it right here. But here in, in Ontario, our phones are not banned in the schools. They're, they say they're banned, but they're not. They're allowed to take them out and text and do whatever they want with them. So I'm here. They're yes. distracting form of learning. So they're not really memorizing or comprehending the learning that's going on in front of them, right? Right. At all. Like they're more interested in who liked their dress on Instagram and who's there, who's going to hook up with them after school. They're doing it all right here. 220 texts a day by the end of the day. Like this. Right. Yep. So when a teacher goes and asks, and I've had this happen at several schools, teachers tell me and principals, Johnny, put your phone away. We're doing oh. a project, Johnny. Can you put it away? Oh yeah. Just a sec, Mrs. Nels. Just a sec. Johnny. I'm going to say this one more time. We're doing a group project. Can you join us, please? I'd really like you to join us, right? Mm -hmm. Like all those techniques, walking over to them. You know what he was doing? He was looking at a nude video of his girlfriend in the Ooh. class. I don't know where she was in the school because it looked like a washroom because I was in there. I saw the video. I'm like, oh God, I didn't want to see that. No, um, you can't unsee those things. And I went, Johnny, I know the kid's name, but I can't say it. And I know his dad was a cardiac guy. I knew his dad. I'm like, give me your phone. He goes, no fucking way. I'm like, I have never had, never had. Now this didn't happen, uh, happen to me. This is to my other teacher. And I would be like, I can't believe you just said that. Like, right. you don't get, now that's not violent. That's just verbally aggressive. Right. Yeah. Right. Now I deescalated it. I said, listen, you and I are going to need to talk. And it's going to be after this class, okay? So if that were me in that classroom, that's how that would have went. This teacher buzzed the office, said, of Johnny, Johnny just swore at me. Johnny won't put his phone down. I would have been like, we're going to deal with this in another manner. I didn't want the whole class to get off topic, right? I didn't want right, to right. 29, 30 kids I had. And if Johnny's swearing at you, he's not scared of the principal. No. Oh, oh no. But no. he... See, this, this kid played hockey for a very good team, and when the parents got called into the office, what do you think happened, Meg? Oh, he got excused because he had to go to hockey practice. You're very close. He was told he was suspended. The principal dug in his heels. The principal went to the hockey rink, told the parents, you can't put your child on the ice. The child went to the rink, had his bag, his hockey bag, yeah. and the parents were trying to get him on the ice, but if the coach the teacher put him on, the coach would be in serious trouble. And the principal knew it and he stayed there. He goes, can you have a seat in the spectator area, please? You can be here, you can cheer for your team, but you're not playing. Right? 
but they trot, but the audacity of the parents to think that your child swore at a teacher and again at the principal later on. But yeah. this is what's happening here with the system. So it actually is a cycle between teacher, principal, parent, child. And, and then they go like this. Right now it's teachers against parents. It's not when we should be working together because we're the first and second caregivers, right? Environment is the third caregiver. Yeah. So we should be working together. But how do you work together with a parent who's in denial? To take right, we have to take deep breaths to because when we go to the ice rink, he's there, and the parents are trying to get him on, and you're like, oh my gosh, no wonder he acts like that. And it that has to be first thought. You were right. Like he went there. And do you think that child, he was supposed to be suspended the next day as well? What do you think is going to happen? So, I mean, I, before what I was doing was writing educational behaviors uh, and protocols for kids who are in situations like that. He would actually have to stay home with his parents and they'd actually have to write a program together. They have to write a project. About, and the parents don't want to do it. So, you know, we're going to punish the parents too because the parents should be disciplining their child. Right. And this behavior is wrong because now they're going to go out to the world and think I can tell anybody to F off and I don't need, I'm going to get, I'm not going to get in trouble. My parents are lawyers. And this is that behavior that, you know, it's starting to become, I have to say a little bit combative in terms of the phones, like you were saying, they won't. Oh yeah. And the minute you try to take it away, no, it's my phone. You can't touch it. And you're like, it's not your phone. Your parents pay for it. But again, as a teacher, you can't say that. Of course, that's the thought you have. Yeah. So I have really, really young kids, right? I work with like infants, but all the way through to adulthood. But I've had like eight-year-olds who have phones that have the same thing you just talked about. That's crazy. Why do you need a phone at school? I don't, I don't understand that. That's a whole other a can of worms. Oh my goodness. Um, so you talked about one other thing. Um, can you explain the dangers of, of teachers and parents hoarding the power and control? Oh yeah, a child in a, in a very tense situation because there are basically very severe side effects if this continues, right? Yeah. So hoarding the power makes your behavior strategies based in fear, and I always say behavior strategies should not be based in fear; they should be based in love. So if they don't work, there's no negative outcome to the emotional wellness of the child. Correct. Um, if you hoard the power with a child, we think we can, or people don't know they are. Because the child is smaller right. than us and weaker, oh, right? I'm doing- yeah, not always. It could be bigger than us now, right? Like, yeah, that's true. Well, that's true. But no, but smaller. I don't mean okay. size-wise. I mean smaller, like we're higher on the okay. higher right. Sorry, the organizational chart, right? Um, so we try to hoard the power and kids do what? It, it automatically makes them louder, higher, strong, bigger, right? They try to, oh, if I'm down here, I'm going to do it. We would, the things we do to hoard power for kids, we would never do to an adult. Well, right? I would never. More adults do that. I know. And it's the person who gets the arena, I'm seeing it. In soccer, I'm seeing it. In basketball, I'm seeing it. And the person who's gotten the power taken away from them does what? Does the same thing a kid would do. Yeah. So we have to. The first place to always start when there's a challenging behavior is with us, not with the kid, actually. Yeah, I agree. What part of this behavior makes it hard for me? Is it because of my background? Is it because of what I was taught is not working and they said it was going to? Mm-hmm. Is it, right? Is it, it could be a 
period of things. So we have to start with ourselves. But hoarding the power makes it so you feel powerless. No human wants to feel powerless. We want to belong. That is an essential human need for us. And if we don't belong, then they go into depression. They feel further isolated. We end trauma causing the spiral down effect and the kids are just going to get worse. And do you want to wake up every day? So as an adult, I wake up and I, well, I go to work, I'm in my house, but I go to work. And if I went to a school where I was like, "Mm, this is not a good fit. I could say, this isn't a good fit for me. Mm -hmm. Our, our ideas are different. We have different goals. Um, So you know what? I, maybe you should find somebody else. We have the power to do that. Mm -hmm. A child doesn't. Child at five, at 10, 15, wakes up, goes to school where the teacher hoards all the power. They're always the bad kid, right? They're in the bad kid bubble floating around. And every morning they have to wake up and go back. Yeah. And and that breaks my heart. It breaks my heart too, especially in childcare. Because three-year-olds can't be like, oh, that teacher doesn't like me. Right. Because their little is a little bit of different managerial skills. Oh, yeah. What it really takes is looking at yourself first, right? And a lot of parents are not. They're just like, go do this, go do that, go do that. I'm like, well, you just let your child do whatever they want for the past three months. And now you expect them to wake up and do stuff? I'm sorry. That's going to be a hard adjustment. I got a lot of calls right after Corona hit because I think a lot of parents found out that their kids were actually hard. (laughs) Well, yeah. Um, Because they had to be the teacher too. And they were like, oh. All the emails and calls I was getting from the teacher, I see it now. Yes. And so they have this awakening. Yeah, 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 right. They have this awakening. So, Meg, thank you so much for helping me uh, share your information with Japan. Thank you for having me. Starting to see, and teachers, and even, believe it or not, in medicine. Yes. Doctors are starting to see aggressive parents and aggressive adults. Yes, that's true. Uh, it's amazing. Yeah. I, and in family medicine and emerge, even in specialties, they're starting to see behavior is changing. And, and, and a lot of adults are becoming more aggressive in person. I don't know whether it's the phone and we're thinking, oh, we can say nasty things on the phone and no one's going to touch us. And now we can go out in the the real world with real people. And we don't have any consequences. We don't have any online. I don't know. I don't know if it's that. But something is changing, and I've noticed it since the beginning of around 2007. That's when I started to see the suspensions go up, the behavior change. My kids were like, Mom, this kid's a jerk face. His dad's a jerk face. Uh, uh, no, I, like coaching-wise, no. Like they were, they were yelling. I heard a coach in the arena, not to my kid, and I can't repeat the, what I heard online here. But I can say they lost the game. It was 5 nothing. The coach goes into the change room and says, and he throws the garbage can at the kids and says, what pieces of bleep, bleep, bleep was that today? No, and the kids, they're 16. They look up, and I'm like, I don't want to be spoken to, to it as an adult. Talk about holding the power. And all it wow. took was, you know what, guys? I saw the game. I was watching. My kid was getting ready. And it was interesting because I would have gone in that chair. I'm a coach as well. I would have gone in there and said, you know, guys, that was a tough loss. But you know what? With some work, we will improve our back checking. We have to improve our shot from the blue line. But you know what? We will get there. And, and hold your head up high. You guys did well. You know, 
that was so much more productive than what I just witnessed. Oh, he for sure. Off them. He treated them like they were nothing and he was violent towards them. Right. So, so they're going to see this. Some parents got upset. Some parents are like, whatever. And I'm like, that worries me. Yeah, that really worries me. You should get upset. I know. I know. Well, Meg, I don't, I don't everybody... like that. You shouldn't. Right. If I don't talk to my kid like that, you shouldn't talk to my kid like that. Right. So Meg, where can people get a hold of you um, if they need some consulting with different children in their schools? So on, um, you could go to MegThompson.com. That's my website. Just because people want to see, right, there's a lot of behavior people out there. I'm different than a lot of behavior people because I don't do the fear-based strategies. And my email is Meg at MegThompson.com. And Meg has two Gs just to make everybody um, <laughs> bonkers, I guess. Um, my whole name is Megan, and it's M-E-A-G-H-A-N. No one ever spells it right, so I went to Meg. But that's four G. So yeah. I made two. Nobody got Larissa right. <laughs> right? Well, I thought Megan was easy, but then I was. Then they called me Megan because that's how you would say my name. Yeah. Okay. You, yeah. Right. So yeah. I just went to Meg. So it's MeganMegThompson.com. Yeah. Right. I have social media. Right on. Yeah. I have a YouTube Your channel. My name. Yeah. I have. I am also a children's book author, so I've written books about squirrels and ducks, actually, because uh, that's yeah. what I know. <laughs> and so it's Scoot Newton, um, and I have Meg Thompson Behavior Consulting on Facebook and Meg Thompson Behavior on Instagram. Yeah. And I share videos. I share, um, if you're a teacher and you're looking for professional development, that's I'm on Meg Thompson. i put that on for a source for teachers, too. Yeah. I, and, um, I work with, I zoom with parents. I have met some parents in their home with my, uh, with my mask. Yes. I have yes. met some parents out at parks, right? I'm going to meet a mom and her two kids that are tricky, um, at a park Good tomorrow. So I can see them, right? Cause I, yeah. nobody I have to see them in her. Yeah. Right. And they're little, so they're not going to zoom with me. So it's, yeah. Well, I mean, nobody. I want to say with for you and thank you for helping in education the way you are. It takes a really strong person to be able to talk with the parents the way that you need to. And it also takes a really strong person to be able to manage and cope with violence and aggression. And, and it, I would really, I would love it if I could get you into our board to help with these scenario situations in a teaching webinar situation, if I could. Because um, I think we are starting to see, and many, I don't know if you agree, Many people in medicine are seeing a family crisis, a mental oh, family health crisis, and for sure. concerned about it. And there's nowhere we can go except for keep talking like you and I are doing, yeah. um, educating like you and I are doing. And, and hopefully you and I can have a, another chat sometime on a different topic if you're interested. I'm interested. Yay. Okay. Well, Yay. thank you so much. And we will, I will list all the links up for Meg, megthompson.com. Thanks a lot, Meg. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for joining me today at the table with Larissa. I'm going to keep exploring all the reasons why children are having more mental health issues, speech delays, and on their phones 24-7. Parents, it is our responsibility to raise happy, productive humans. If you wish to come on the show, just contact me off my website where you'll find courses, articles, group support, and more. Just sign up for free, or you can follow us on Instagram. Here's hoping your family stays balanced and happy.